Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast as usual. I'm your host at DDDNFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and as usual I'm joined by meow buddy. It's at IT Hedgehog. Peter Jones, what's going on, buddy? We did well. We we, we did we did pretty good. And I, I'm here for another week, Steve. I didn't make anybody's 53-man roster. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> nor don't... anybody's practice squad, surprisingly. So here I am. Yeah, that's a weird one. You know what I mean? What's that, 50, 50 years in a row? Is that what we're talking? 40, 40 years in a row? Are we, you know, dispensing your age? I don't know what age you are, Peter. You're a timeless wonder, um, to be honest. Maybe I went too high at the start, did I? Should have should have ranked it down to like 32 years in a row. Um that, that'll do. That'll do. 32 is your own. There you go. Uh, and same. So, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you did well. You're here for another week because you didn't, you know, predict something crazy. We didn't see any weird transfer antics as of yet anyway, Mercedes Lewis, which I won't lie, I am pretty disappointed that Gooley didn't just go for it. Um, are you shocked, saddened and disappointed that they didn't whip out some creativity, Peter? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I think the I think the only one, the, the the biggest surprising one for me, Steve, was Equinemius St. Brown, yeah, um, being placed straight onto IR. So that's where we thought this creativity may have come with Lewis or a and other being cut on Saturday and brought back on Sunday when they placed St. Brown on on injured reserve. But I, I think we can only assume that EQ's injury is worse than you know the initial reports, which were talking about six to eight weeks in being out. It, yeah, for a guy to go straight onto IR and be out for the season, that makes you think that that injury is a little bit worse than than reports. And you know, Goody clearly didn't want to talk talk about it in any detail at his his presser earlier uh, Sunday. I think it was. So. My pondering stuff, Peter, is is that I wonder is it a mixture of different stuff really? Like, is the injury as bad as they thought? Because it it was deemed to be a high ankle sprain, four to six weeks, um, which he would have been perfect to come back. Do they deem him not necessary for the season? Because we do see that they're high on him and we do see Aaron Rodgers come out and say that no one's really talking about ESB. He's super solid and he's definitely part of this team. We see the coach and staff echo that with ESB as well. So it's it's not a case that they're sort of going to, you know, stick him on IR, leave him there and then see what happens in the future. They do see this guy as, you know, MVS part two, I guess, because I've always linked it to them. A, because, yeah. eh, so weird names, but also that <laughs> they come in the same time, they've, they've similar skill sets, I guess. Um, but I wonder, is this, does Alan Lazard come into this equation? Because, you know, they put Darius Shepard and you hit the nail on the head, absolutely spot on last week when you said that, because that was my ponderings, right? Will they go with Lazard because that's the prototype or will they go with Shepard because he's different? And you nailed it with saying that you think they'll go with him because he's different and he's more of a pure kind of slot guy. So I wonder, and I don't know how you feel about it, um, you know, is it the fact that they risked Lazard on waivers, they got him back onto the practice squad, and they would be happy to let ESB sit out and rest because we feel happy enough that Lazard can step up and take that role for him? Um, I, I don't know. Do you think that's linked? I think it's quite quite probably linked, yeah. I mean, I... I um, You know, if, if they considered the injury was going to keep him out till let's say three quarters of the way through the year then i then i th- then i think it's undoubtedly i think it's undoubtedly linked mm. um you know and and you know you're in essence holding a, a seventh a seventh guy there who is only a fraction and and that's 
debatable, only a fraction probably below your fifth and sixth guys. So, so, you know, you're not losing, losing a lot from, from, you know, in that respect, but um, yeah, it probably, it probably, it probably is linked. I find it weird though. What I found weird was, and it's the same reason why I went for Trey Carson over Dexter Williams was the comments that come out from the staff. Now, I don't know whether to just say staff are full of a load of waffle. You know, when they talk about uh, Trey Carson was ahead uh, with blocking, he's he's not as fast as Dexter Williams. Um, and that's why they say Dexter Williams made the squad. But I, I almost feel like if it doesn't work out with Williams or we pick up an injury there, well, then Carson's been bumped up. Even though, like, I'm not saying that I don't particularly think Carson is better, but just from what the coaches were saying that he was kind of ahead. Um, and they came out and said the same about Boyle, uh, which I'd love to talk about now in two seconds. So Boyle um, gets ahead of Kaiser. Kaiser's dropped and ultimately, uh, you know, goes off apparently to the, the Raiders, the last I read. Yep. Um, so that, that was a weird one. And as well as that, Aaron Rodgers came out and said that they found a diamond in the rough with Lazard and that Shepard needs to be more consistent. Yet, I read an article today that says that Shepard didn't do anything spectacular. He was just, you know, totally consistent day on day. When that seems to be you know, the reverse of what Aaron Rodgers was saying. So I I really don't know. And like you say, I think the wide receivers, especially at that depth, they're all pretty much this, you know, in the same pecking order. Um, but ultimately we did say, didn't we, that if it's Shepard or Lazard, it doesn't really matter. And I do yeah. feel that Lazard is literally waiting uh, in the wings. And if a, a tragedy happens or someone is out for any period of time, I think he's just popped onto the active roster straight away. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. You know, and it looks like a de- it looks like a decent set of receivers. I think that I think as was all being concerned, it looks it looks pretty pretty decent on 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 paper, unless Adams goes down injured early, and then all of a sudden you look at it and it doesn't look too clever. Yeah, um, just just because you know there are no all of the guys in there are young. You know, the, most of them are you know second year guys at best. I know that. Gmo's been around a little bit longer, and Trevor Davis has been around a, a little bit longer. But in terms of experience, you've not got a lot of, you know, you, you've not got guys that have caught, you know, two or three hundred passes in their career and, and whatever else. So it's it's it, it's a, it's a strange one. It's a strange one. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you feel strangely optimistic, but we don't know why <laughs> because you're kind of looking <laughs> yeah. at it and going, "I see this massive potential here," but. Um, Let's talk quarterbacks. So Aaron Rodgers makes the team again, which is mind-blowing. Uh, and Tim Boyle beats out Kaiser. Strictly on a numbers basis and the preseason, he won the preseason over Kaiser. Um, you know, whatever we think about that. I think Kaiser was one of those guys, right, that people kept thinking, you know, where he went in the draft with, you know, that calamitous first season that he had with Cleveland. And then people sort of gave him a hard pass because they're like, well you know, you can ruin the best of quarterbacks by throwing them in too early. Uh, you know, at least we forget that Blake Bortles was a, a world beater in college and he was seeing ghosts when he got to the pros. So, I mean, do you think that Kaiser's kind of hard done by? Are you happy with Boyle at number two? Or do you think that it could be, you know, Joe Bloggs that they put at number two? They just wanted somebody back there um, that didn't sort of grab the headlines and were in trouble if A-Rod goes down anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm not, I'm not, upset by it i'm not surprised by it i mean i i did lean towards them keeping all, all three last last week um but um i mean you hit you hit it hit the nail on the head you had um boil over kaiser and i'm i'm not i'm not surprised i'm not troubled by it um 
I think they looked at I think they looked at the two of them and, and like you say, I think Boyle was was stronger in the preseason. I think there are some pluses for Kaiser, as I said last week, he has some playing experience, regular season playing experience. Um but but I think they probably got to the situation where, as you say, behind behind Rogers, there was very little to choose between these two guys. And so what's the point of keeping two two players who are roughly, I would suggest, at the same level? Yeah. Um, it, and it's not like one of them's a 13-year vet and one of them's a, a second-year guy where you're trying to make that choice over you know, you know youth over experience or vice versa. So so I think that it's it's not it's not in the least bit surprising, and it and it's not surprising to me either that that Kaiser quickly got picked up by somebody else because I think they'll have looked at looked at this looked at his skills and thought we can work with that guy. Now that you know, now that's not to say that he's going to work out somewhere else at the Raiders or or wherever else, but but I think people will look at him and say we think he's still got something that we might be able to work with. Yeah, still got some value. Yeah. Um. So I mean, there's some positions that just weren't a shock. Danny Vitale, that was obvious. We did. I, I guess I worried for him for a while because, um, you know, we've seen that happen time and again where someone makes a a run at run at it and then all of a sudden they get injured and then they're gone. I suppose it with Danny Vitale he was doing so well and I was really impressed with him in preseason and it was just how much he could come back from that injury. So that was great to see him there. Uh, tight ends: Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanya, and Jay Sternberger. No surprises there. Um, either the surprise really comes on the O-line but if I can just pause on the tight ends um, and there was a piece in The Athletic by uh, Jason Wilde and it's really good and it's really insightful um, and for anybody who again doesn't pay for the subscription or whatever um, it's wor- I think it's worth it first off um, but also it's a really poignant story uh, and I, I guess it sort of lends itself to life and not I'm Irish so heck no emotion but it's about where he talks about you know, him and Akumaro last year were waiting to see if they were going to make the team. And it was two minutes before the cutoff. And Tonyan gets a text to say, you know, sorry, your 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 time is up. So he marches into, you know, 1265. He's got the iPad playbooks and is ready to hand it all in. And everybody meets him with this sort of real chipper attitude. And he's like, well, this is a bit of a, like a sick joke. And he goes in and then he discovers he hasn't been cut um, and that he's made the team. And of course, he's happy about it. Uh, and he sort of was saying to all the guys trying to make the team, look, you know, he was sitting on his mother's couch. He was a workout warrior. And then all of a sudden, you know, he makes a team. Uh, because uh, he tried out with the Lions, I believe, and they they cut him. Um, so then he ends up on the Packers. He impresses, and then he calls, you know, Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis his best friends now. So how quickly life can turn around within a year. Um, and he was sort of saying, you know, for his guys, he was saying to the lads on the team, "Don't give up, hope, keep grinding." But it was just pointing for me. I was kind of thinking, Do you know what? Isn't life a bit like that? You know, you can be in a bit of a crappy situation, and then a year later, everything changes. There definitely is life, uh, you know, light at the end of the tunnel for everybody, I think. So anybody's sort of thinking they're going, oh, just a load of balls. But the thing is, is, you know, sometimes, you know, life imitates art, art imitates life, football imitates whatever. And I just like that story because it really can all turn around uh, for somebody and it turned around for Robert Tonyan. Anyway, that's my... Uh, no, yeah, no, no, it's good. And uh, and absolutely, I mean, you look at, at, at Jake Coomer and I, and, I, and I believe that the Packers are the sixth team that he's been with possibly seventh, might be six before the Packers. So it just goes to shut, you know, and he's never really caught on anywhere. You know, he's, he's ended up, always ended up on the practice squad at teams. And yet, and yet this year, very early on, you know, it was pretty clear to everybody that he was certain to make the roster. 
so, so that's you know that's a, a big turnaround for him and and you're right you know some of the some of these guys kind of bounce around the league and all of a sudden for 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 no reason whatsoever they seem to catch on well in the Patriots case it's everybody so they just bring in <laughs> anybody and it works um but yeah it's not it's it's man the way it turns around and you know what and this is totally off topic um but I was looking at the whole Mason Crosby thing and we get on to the Crosby and Ficken thing uh, again, which, you know, I know we sort of nailed separate picks, but Crosby, I, you know, I was going to die on that hill very early in the game. <laughs> you know, he was still injured and I was like, no, Crosby's making the team. Um, so that was good. But I was reading up about the last time there was a kicking competition uh, because I was I was looking into it and I was like, was it really back in 2013, the last time someone was brought in to compete with Mason? Um, and it was Giorgio Tavecchio. And Jesus Christ, talk about a guy who beat all odds. And his story is tragic from the very start. Guy born in Milan, Italy. And apparently, he wasn't invited to the NFL draft. So he had his his pro day. And hear this, right? And I'm not going to get into Giorgio Tavecchio because it's like, you know, five years, five, six years ago. Who cares? But it's just his story was so tragic. I was like, Jesus Christ. Because when he caught on in the NFL, he would get signed for 1.48 million and then he get dropped, then signed again, then dropped. Then somebody get injured, he'd get signed, he'd kick a field goal, then get dropped again. And it was just this constant like sign, drop, sign, drop, sign, drop, sign, drop. But even back to his pro day, Peter, right? And I was, this is a guy who wasn't invited to the draft. So he has his pro day and he's about to go through his scheduled drills and it starts raining. So all and he's going, no, I'm gonna go ahead with it. But all of the NFL scouts go inside because they don't want to get rained on. <laughs> it's like going, really? And it is totally an omen for the way that guy's life worked out. Where he's just signed and dropped and signed and dropped. But still he ended up hanging on to some teams. He was with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he was on the Raiders. He gets, you know, special teams player of the week and all this type of stuff for kicking. I think he's the only player in NFL history to kick two fifty plus yard field goals in his debut. Um two fifty two yarders, I think. Uh, for the Raiders when he came on which is gas but it just goes to show like bad omens but anyway uh, let's not put people because <laughs> we'll just have to tell an enlightening story about Robert Tonyan it'll all work out and then say oh but also some people don't like rain um, so that happens offensive speaking of offensive offensive line um, this was a bit of a shocker the whole uh, McRae thing this kind of threw the two of us didn't it yeah it did, it, it, it did. So, we were, so we were pretty accurate on the offensive line with the exception of Justin McRae and it was it, and it it, yeah, it's strange how it, how it kind of kind of worked out during the day on I forget which day, day we talk, Saturday wasn't it? One cut down day. I've lost track of days. Um, so you know the news started filtering through. I guess midway through the afternoon hour time that McRae had been cut. Yeah, and um, you know, and he was on Twitter thanking everybody and stuff and stuff. And then um, I got a message from one of my friends in Cleveland probably a couple of hours after that saying the Browns had, had announced that they traded for him. And then, and then, you know, that all started getting coming out on Twitter and stuff and stuff. So it's quite, quite a, a strange set of circ- circumstances there. And, um, you know, you have to kind of assume that my gut feel, my guess is that the Packers were preparing to release him mm. and, and, you know, that the Browns, I've been looking for help on on the offensive line and and clearly wanted to come in and make that trade so that nobody else could could pick him up. Yeah, like we did with our inside linebacker, right? So it's yeah. not kind of unheard of when we've seen it um, play out that way. It's do you know what the compensation thing's odd, right? We traded twenty twenty seventh round picks. So yeah. is that kind of that the Packers say, well, we think we're going to end up higher, and then <laughs> Cleveland are like, well, we think we're going to end up higher, so they so, trade. Yeah, so I I would imagine that the that 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 has to be a conditional trade. Yeah. On, on on the assumption that that you know one team's 
higher in higher in the draft packing order than the, than the other, else else the compensation would just go away. I would I would have I would imagine. Talk about self confidence, though. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, well, you're an offensive lineman, but also I think we're better than you. <laughs> so it's kind of like, or did they give them Justin McCray and don't have a lot of faith in him? So they think he's going to be the reason why we have a higher one? <laughs> Who knows? That is absolutely scandalous. Um, but Cole Madison makes the squad um, as well. Are you confident in that Madison can be kind of a bit part player, or if someone goes yeah. down, that he can step in? He plays multiple positions, right? So I mean, they have high hopes, I guess. Yeah, and I guess, and I guess if if you if you look at it, you you've got. Alex Light's your number one backup at tackle. Mm. Um, Elton Jenkins is your number one backup at guard. Yeah. So, so you know, and Lucas Patrick's there as well. So, barring a bit of a spate of injuries, I wouldn't expect um, Cole Madison to actually play that much. Um, you know, and, unless unless he's taking huge leaps that we don't we don't know about, which is which is quite possible. But, but I think he's in that nice situation if you like where where he can develop whilst on the roster play a little bit play a little bit here and there yeah um but he's not being you know he's not being thrown to the lions the bears or whoever immediately really well i've never used that analogy <laughs> jesus i'm taking that rubbing up <laughs> No, he's you know he's he's not being thrown in there straight away. I mean, the, you know the the backup situation looks looks solid. So with Alex Light and Elton Jenkins, and you think if there was a problem at at right tackle with Belaga, then Turner probably moves out to to right tackle, and and Jenkins or Patrick comes in at right guard. So so, so I think it feels like he's the ninth offensive lineman with the pressure of and, and the opportunity to de- to develop this year. You know, which is in all essence his rookie season. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when it comes to his position, he's kind of backing up the backups, right? Because he's more of a guard or a center, even yeah. though he it was a pretty grisly performance early on at the center. People were like, oh, so this is what we have? Uh, but he, he sort of righted the ship with that, and I'd, I'd say he's probably going to slot into to guard if needs be. But like you say, pressure off, a uh, good way to develop. They'll really see who they have when they put him through um, you know, the, the practices and all that kind of stuff now for the next while and, and see how he's getting on. Uh, defense. Some of the stuff I didn't expect uh, on defense. Most of it is, you know, stuff that we did expect. Apart from the omission of Reggie Gilbert gets traded away to the Titans. Um, again, they seem to love their seventh round picks. Uh, so this this was a bit of a shocker because I thought he would have been valuable enough. He was lively enough, and in preseason again, like the regular season last season, I thought he was lively enough around the ball. Um, of course, had deficiencies, but you know we seem set with uh, the two Smiths, Gary and Fackrell. So this really does put the pressure on Fackrell again this year, doesn't it? To see can he step up to the mark? Yeah, no, absolutely it does. And I and I and I, I think this was a pure numbers game. I I, I think that it was probably either a, a fifth outside linebacker or a or a sixth defensive lineman, and they went with mm. the sixth sixth defensive lineman with with Fadel Brown. Shocker um, in itself, right? I mean, there's two sort of shocks here: one omission and one addition. What do you think of Fadel? I mean, are you high on this guy? Um. I th- I I think he he was better than advertised mm. um, for the Packers in the last few games of 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 last season. I mean, I have to be honest. I didn't see him making the fifty three, but I didn't see him making the fifty three on purely a numbers game because I thought they'd keep they'd keep five defensive linemen, not six. So he did a, he did a he did a good enough job, I guess, towards the end of last the end of last year. Mm. Yeah, and someone who's been very quiet to me, and I don't know. 
what to expect until the regular season is Preston Smith. I see an awful lot about Zadarius Smith. I see an awful lot about Rashawn Gary. And that's going to happen anyway because he's going to have that first round hype. Kyler Fackrell again had a monster year last year. So he's going to be in the news. But again, quite a quiet uh, lead up to this season. But Preston Smith, I haven't heard a lot about. Now talking to uh, some washington fans they say that he's very hot and cold he's he can be inconsistent he can flash brilliance and then he can get lost in games um and he's kind of i don't know about you people to me he's kind of sort of flown underneath the radar he's been tipped as a big pick but then he hasn't really stood out or at the same time hasn't got all that pressure put on him yet for some reason no, I think that's exactly right. Those are the words that I was thinking as you were talking. He he is flying under the ra- under the radar right now, but I, but at this stage I'm not too, I'm not too I'm not too concerned. You know, yeah. I I I think the whole preseason and training camp is a little bit ho hum, and you know you only kind of get to hear snippets. You know, if if you'd probably got to hear a little bit more about Preston Smith if. If one of the beat reporters had asked a specific question about him, you probably got to have heard more about him. And, you know, and, and then Petin or somebody would have come out and said, oh, yeah, we're really encouraged. We're really impressed, blah, 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 blah. And we'd probably be looking at it slightly differently. So um, I think I think I think it's wait and see, but I'm not I'm not I'm not in the least bit concerned right now. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's better sometimes, isn't it? Because we've seen what happened with Rashawn Gary. Um, and again, because he was so out there and people were like, oh, he's a monster in practice. And when I looked at the preseason games, I'm like, OK, <laughs> project here. Let's just sort of, you know, cool the Jets here and not declare him a bust straight away, for God's sake. Give the guy time to develop. Um, inside linebacker, this is another weird one. Um, so the expectation was Blake Martinez and then behind him, Burks. But he would have been placed on IOR after making the initial 53 so they could come back during the season. Um, we tipped Ty Summers most likely as well because he was, you know, the highest tackler out of any team, I believe, in the preseason. And then James Crawford was kind of nailed on as the, you know, the worst of the best, let's say. And it's all kind of shook out now that Oren Burks is not going to be placed on IOR. Um, and we've cut James Crawford and we've signed a Giants inside linebacker, BJ Goodson, um, as well. Now, some of that at time of recording has to be officially announced. Um, Peter, what does this mean for Burks? Does this mean that he does not go on IOR now? I, I, I would imagine yes, and then it it would appear that um, you have to you have to think that his injury is two to three to four weeks that kind of that mm. kind of range. Um, because if it was much longer than that, then then you know you'd have been keeping Crawford and placing Burks on IR. Yeah. Um, so 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 you know it's less than eight weeks and. And you would imagine that it's that it's half of that at the most, probably. Um, I also suspect with this trade, picking up Goodson, they know that Burks isn't going to play for at least a couple of weeks, and they wanted an extra guy who who is likely to be able to play defense, whereas Crawford was mainly a special teams guy. Um, and you look at Goodson, and and I've and I've just spent a little bit of time since the news started to filter out. I guess three or four hours ago about the, the the trade and and like you say it hasn't been officially or hasn't been made official yet but um and he looks a lot like Antonio Morrison mm. who was with the Packers last 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 year um slightly 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 faster but still not you know he's he's not the second coming of 
any any all pro inside linebacker you could name. So it's not the second coming of Ray, of Ray Lewis or some or somebody like that. Um, so I, I think you've got a very slightly faster Ant, Antonio Morrison type, and I think this is purely about um, slightly upgrading as we go along the back end the back end of the roster. Yeah, and I think. Like you say, this I wasn't very impressed by Crawford when it came to defense. There was an awful lot of times I had scribbled down on my notepad when I was grading the preseason games for what they're worth. Um, that I felt that you know he'd miss a ton of tackles, he'd be in wrong positions, take sort of poorish angles. But again, you know what do you expect from a guy who's at the bottom end of the roster? Really, I think an awful lot of put it. I I just think that if you're a football player and your name is El Sexio, you know, you're going to get an awful lot of press or you have a funny haircut and that's fine. Uh, you know, and I think that sometimes people, um, they they will get press and extra attention for certain reasons. I found Crawford got an awful lot of attention because he was Charles Woodson's nephew. Um, now, I don't want that to do with disservice to the guy um, and I don't want to call him the El Sexio of the Packer squad, but I think that everyone sort of had high hopes for him because um, of, his, of his relatives. By, and he was really good on special teams. And in fact, I have a quote uh, from September 2018, uh, where uh, Gude comes out and says that Crawford had one of the best special teams games that he's seen uh, for a long while. So, you know, this is a guy who was seen as kind of a, a good guy on special teams. But we have enough guys to plug in there now with, with some of these young fellas. You know, Ty Summers being one of them, I guess. Uh, so he was surplus to requirement in that regard. Yeah, and I, and I just think I just think that, that that coupled with the fact that Burks is going to be up let's say two, two or three weeks that they they had to have a guy that could pretty much come in and play on defense straight straight away and and you know and Crawford wasn't that guy I mean I think he played one single play on defense for the whole of 16 games last year mm. and you compare that to Goodson who I think started 13 games for the Giants last season yeah um and seven the year before or seven the year before that so this is a guy that's got got quite a lot of play, playing experience so he's going to come in and do a job for you on the on the D pretty you know pretty much straight away yeah 123 tackles six pass breakups two interceptions two forced fumbles over 37 games and i think that was zach cruz um uh, yeah, on packers wire i believe i got those stats from right um so again another sort of oddities is sort of you know, Ripley's believe it or not by addition, uh, cornerback, the amount that we kept, uh, Shannon Sullivan being one, and also with safety, uh, Will Redmond is put in there. And I think we did say, didn't we, that like Redmond and Sullivan, they would have been the two that we would have kept on if there was space, but we'd sort of shoved yep. the extra players in elsewhere. So yep. I, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, perf- perfectly happy. And you have to assume that the they're looking at Tremont Williams with the ability to play both corner and safety as kind of your your fifth in inverted commas safety if you if you need a guy there. Yeah. So so you've kind of got the the, the double cover from Williams there. So yeah, no, I think that you know other than other than Chandon Sullivan, really no real surprises, no real surprises there. Um, yeah, it looks it, it looks it looks good. Again, it's one of these situations where you hope that Kevin King can go, and I know there's been some discussion today that um, he probably will go on Thursday, but probably won't play. You know, a hundred percent of the snaps on defense. Um, yeah. So we we shall we shall see. And it's a, it's another one of these strange situations where if it looks it looks very strong on paper until you you know if King can't go then who starts at that corner position it doesn't you know it it looks slightly weakened but 
The thing I wonder with King as well, Peter, is I wonder does he become, um, and again, I'm not saying he's the same veteran presence. He obviously doesn't play the same position. And I don't know if you can um, treat it this way. And of course, those people are going to say this is a dumb idea. But I wonder with Kevin King's injury history, and I think that's solidified now, that if there's if injury prone had a face, it would be Kevin King. Um, <laughs> and I know he gets an awful lot of things. And, and again, I'm, I'm not... I'm not being of course i'm being a bit flippant but i mean i'm not sort of dogging the guy and saying that he's soft he's not however he does tend to pick up injuries more um than statistics would show that someone should i guess because it it tends to be something different nearly every time and then something re-aggravates so i wonder does kevin king be used in a julius pepper style role of situational um, and again, it's not as obvious because when you brought Julius Peppers in, you know, they knew what job he was there to do. Whereas with the likes of Kevin King, I wonder, did they try preserve him? Because it might seem silly, but that's kind of what they were saying in preseason, that they didn't want him to practice too long. They reduced the practice times. The way they tried to practice with him and work him out uh, was slightly different, that they were trying to sort of save him and preserve him. And then the you know, my attitude towards that would be, well, then you can't do that in preseason and throw them into every regular season game. I mean, how are you going to manage that? So I wonder, is the way to sort of manage that now is that you will throw them in in certain packages um, or certain situations that you you really essentially need them there to do the job uh, with Alexander on the opposite side, but then pull them out and try, you know, have the other lads fill in there. Tony Brown, you know, Josh Jackson, uh, Holman does a good job. You know, I mean, is that what we're looking at now with Kevin King? And will we be ever able to, you know, kind of get away from that with him? Because is this not always going to be a recurring problem? Yeah, uh, so, so, I, so I think you're right. I think certainly for the first few games of this season, we're going to see that management of his, of, of the number of snaps that he's that he's in on, mm. you know. So, so if defensively you're you're playing, let's say 60, 60 snaps a game, you you could you could see him being in on thirty, that kind that kind that kind of number. And and you're absolutely right. I think that I I think they're quite high on Tony Brown from from what what we can gather. Yeah. And and, I, and you know the opportunity to give some of those other guys playing time. Um, is 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 always a plus, and you know, and it's quite possible that one of those guys, that either Tony Brown or Josh Jackson, takes that kind of second year leap. That's what they that's what they'll be hoping for, mm. so that it enables them to 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 manage the Kevin King, King situation even more. But but I, but absolutely right, Steve. I think certainly for the for the next few weeks, I'd be surprised if he plays more than fifty percent of the snaps on defense. Yeah. Which is a shame. It's a big shame. You know, it really, it it really is. It's bonkers too, because I mean, someone who everyone's so high on, the potential's high. You'd wonder that if that is the case, you would imagine that the Packers would probably move on um, at the end of his contract if that's what they found themselves doing. He'd probably do a job um, and then they're kind of thinking, well, this is where it's going to have to be all the time. So why would we have half a cornerback uh, when we can, you know, but again, did they want to put more draft capital into cornerbacks? Uh, it's the Packers. So uh, yeah, props. But the thing <laughs> is, and this is the question I ask you, and this is, this is the real reason why we're doing this podcast today. If Darnell Savage, if his name was not Savage, would people have rushed out to get his number twenty six jersey now that he's changed to number twenty one? <laughs> I I mean, am I talking I balls here? <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what to make of that, but I have learnt in the last couple of days that apparently there's a a rapper called Twenty One Savage or Savage Twenty One or Twenty One Savage and is rapper okay. is a very loose term for his okay. music. I'll just say. Okay. That. <laughs> 
as a rap connoisseur, you know, from back in the old day, from Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt, uh, who Jay-Z's also come in for stick with this whole NFL deal. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, this is what I don't understand, right? I don't understand the hype around. I, I know that he's meant to be a fantastic player, but can we let the guy play football before we buy his jersey? Is it is it normal for someone to go out and get a rookie's jersey so quickly? His name's Savage, so it is savage but i mean ugh, i just i think that's a bit premature if you will and that's going to piss everyone off who got a 26 jersey and think that they're going to be high on them um but were they doing the same for demarius randall if they did so disappointed yeah <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't i don't i don't know what to say to that it's el sexio all over again it's the james crawford in the different guys if you ask me if he turns out to be a fantastic player brilliant but um i think if you've bought a jersey already that's on you it's on you people um have we offended people with that most likely uh, special teams mason crosby wins the battle are you yeah. a happy man peter or do you see trouble coming down the line because crosby will have us by the as we say in irish lee Rodi, uh because his contract's up in a year so what do we do i i i think that um i mean we both we both sort of leaned last week that, that it would that it would be Crosby so I'm not I'm not surprised um I think it kind of I think we know what we know what we've got in him you know and and yeah okay last season there was there was the odd aberration but everybody has that in their in their in their career you know I think we know what we've got is one of the better kickers in the NFL one of the better kickers the pack in Packers history you know it's one of those positions that that barring some silly aberration um, you know, you don't even have to think about. Yeah. You know, you know that the nine times out of ten he's going to come in and kick that field goal, and and you and, and you don't really give it a second thought. Mm. So, no, very, very um, okay with it. Um, and then I think they just have to revisit the situation this this time next year. And you know, if if he wants to, if he wants to carry on carry on playing, I'm sure that there'll probably be a position for him in Green Bay this you know next year providing that you know this year is a, is a de- is a decent year but it won't be at the money that he's on yeah in 20, 2019 and yeah we're going to get all ageist on him um <laughs> and sort of say like look you deserve less money cuz you're a bit more gray um, but I love that meme of Adam Vinatieri, you know, when Andrew Luck retires and Adam Vinatieri <laughs> turned around and said, what, you can retire? Because yeah. he's still doing it. God. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, he's yeah. gas. He's so old. It's unbelievable. Like, what a, <laughs> what a ledge. Um, so the thing to note here, and I suppose we have to put a caveat on, on this, right? More so to cover our own arses before this goes out. But when you look at this roster, it's it's the 53 and that's fantastic. And again, we haven't even got to the practice squad Um of Evan Bayless, Alex Lazard, James Looney, which is great to see him back, um, Randy Ramsey, Brady Sheldon, Malik Taylor, Manny Wilkins finds his way onto the squad, Kabion uh, Ento, and am I missing someone? Yeah, uh, Josh Nyman uh, as well. So they all make the, the practice squad. But when we look at this 53-man roster, Peter, this could not be the final 53-man roster. So we could see some moves and shakes um, here. How likely do you think it is that A, that happens, and can you pinpoint anybody that you see on this roster at the minute that if something better came along or the Packers decided to move in a certain way, that their position would be in danger? Not now. Not now they've moved, made the move inside linebacker. I think the inside linebacker position was the position of of biggest weakness, just looking at the you know the roster and the, and, and, the, and the depth chart. I'd be I'd be surprised now if there's another guy being released by another team or floating out there as a free agent that's likely to be to be 
much better than what you've already got. Mm. So it may it may happen, but I but I think they're probably set now for Thursday. I would think. And what's your take on veteran QBs? Do we see something happening even mid-season to shore that up, or was there any reason to do it if there hasn't been a calamity? Well, I think I think it's one of those situations where if they're likely to do it, they're likely to do it soon. Mm. Um, I don't think that I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, so so they're bound to now that I've said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely bound to. Um, yeah, and I know that there were some rumours, whispers, whatever about Hoyer and whether or not the Packers are. You know, there were some whispers that they'd approached his agent and all of that kind of stuff after he was released by the Patriots, and and I can make a case for that type of player coming in, yeah. absolute. You know, to manage the Packers through three or four games of a Rogers injury that we talked. You know, we talked about that last week, mm. and, I, and there's absolutely a case for that. Um, I just feel like they're set now, but you know, even if it doesn't happen, if it didn't happen this week, I think that you know you couldn't rule it out happening in the next two or three weeks. But I think the longer they get into the season, past week three or four, and that hasn't happened, I think it's less likely to happen. I feel the same, and we put out on the group Twitter about you know about Hoyer and what do people think about it and this is one thing about running a fan group whatever is put out on the Twitter account does not mean that we agree with it now I see absolute credence to getting a veteran and I don't understand these people that scoff and go oh you know like I, I can see it either way I can see it go either way uh, but that's an important thing to note this an, another thing about running a fan group is is that we get an awful lot of people um coming to us you know throughout the year and when we start to announce meetups that say please have a meetup in my area. One of those areas was, uh, you know, the southwest of England or Cardiff or Wales, I should say, really. Uh, so we've picked a meetup in Cardiff, which is equidistant to Swansea and Bristol. And at the moment, um, it, Manchester is selling uh, to the pair of four better than Cardiff. And what I mean by that is with Cardiff, we have the room booked out by a certain amount of people and we have to get over that threshold. Cardiff, and not to be chastising you, uh, you are underneath the mark. So if you're planning on coming to Cardiff and you're being, um, you know, sort of lackadaisical about it and saying, eh, I don't know, this is how it's going to work. If we can't sell out meetups or it goes badly for people saying that they're going to go, we do not hold meetups for the second year. Um, so if you're saying, oh, I'll go to the one next year, if it doesn't, if it's not a success, there likely will not be one next year. And that's not me being kind of like threatening on the podcast. It's just, it is what it is. Um, you know, from a personal level, I have to spend over 200 quid to get over there. And then on top of that, the, the effort that goes into booking out the venue. And then they need certain set numbers. Now, based on what we get for like some Manchester and London and Dublin and all the rest, you know, over 30 people come over to Dublin. And that was great. Um, and an awful lot of those were actually, you know, blow-ins from England and, and Scotland and elsewhere that came over. It was a fantastic night. So we need the same level of support for your area. So if you're from Bristol... Um, Swansea, Cardiff or anywhere down like Hertfordshire um, or anywhere around the southwest, it's in your best interest to get along to that meetup, make it a success and then we can hold it every year and go to different venues. Um, so that's all I'll say. So if you're on the fence about Cardiff, uh, show it for your town, represent um, and go there so that you know we know that people have an appetite for it because if not if there's no appetite it just doesn't really make sense um you know i follow a group still on facebook that they were hot dog flavored crisps and i really want them to bring them back but we don't have enough clout behind us so that cardiff you are the hot dog flavored crisps <laughs> of uk packers meetups so you do you have to represent and as well as that to celebrate that uh, you know we sort of nailed between the two of us really um you, 
this 53-man roster and we did well. I'm giving away two tickets on the Facebook group. Now, again, do you need a ticket to go? It's absolutely not essential. None of the money comes to us. It goes straight to the venue. Um, so we just collect it to sort of get numbers of, about people who are going. So if you're going and you're not arsed to get a ticket, you just don't get your welcome drink. And that's fine. So just make sure that you email me, uh, DM the group, uh, DM the Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, send us an Insta pic uh, or whatever you want to do. Just make sure you get in contact with us and let us know that you're going so that we know we're getting over that numbers to get the meetup to go ahead. Um, because... I'm destined to get this thing going head hell or high water, uh, even if I have to go and canvas people on the street, uh, for God's sake. But it just doesn't look well for next year if we're looking to plan a meetup if we couldn't fill the room um, this time around and the numbers that we need. That's all I'm saying, Pete. That's, um, it's over now. All right. Did I sound too harsh and schoolmasterly when I was saying all this? No, it sounded, sounded to me, Steve reasonable and direct yep. uh, now Peter is there anything else that you want to say or forever hold your peace about the 53 man uh, you know reaction um, no there isn't there isn't too much I guess the interesting thing about the, the, the practice squad the names that you read out there is that every single one of those was in camp with the Packers yeah. this year hmm. um, which is highly unusual you know clearly most of the practice squads made up of guys that that, that um, you know you've had in camp but normally there's one or two guys that you see released from another team that that you signed to the practice squad so i mean that says that, that the packers liked the guys that they had you know even those kind of number 54 to 63 if you like on the roster they really liked those guys and um yeah we may see one or two of those make it to the um, active roster as the season goes on Adam Lazard being probably the most likely yeah and again we did say didn't we that had Shepard or Lazard uh, made their way onto the uh, you know onto waivers that they likely wouldn't have been available to bring back so it is impressive that we were able to bring uh, Lazard back to the practice squad so that's really really good now I did see some derision online about people being unhappy um, with the roster and also that we didn't make enough woo, uh, woos enough woos um, for on the on the roster for waivers uh, woos is a is a waiver move um, for all of the people who don't know the terminology um, so <laughs> um, like I mean can you see why people would be unhappy and do you think that you know it's basically just a stopgap at inside linebacker or do you think that the organisation basically did all it could do Um you know, with the, with this fifty three man, I think with the fifty three, pr- pretty much yes. I mean, there were some other guys knocking around that got cut by other teams. Chakai Polite being mm. the obvious one that comes to mind was cut by the Jets, and you know th- that poor young man's kind of whole career has gone awry since the combine. You know, down downwards, and and you wonder with a guy like that whether. You know, you take a shot at that kind of guy, at least getting it, getting him onto the practice squad if you can. You know, that you may not have been able to, but but that kind of guy, you think, I've got nothing to lose by paying him a practice squad salary, yeah, um, hundred and thirty thousand dollars or whatever that number is. Um, that's the kind of guy that you you think actually that's worth taking it. That's worth taking a shot at. And I tell you um, what, P, like balls of steel for the GM to let him go. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, absolutely right, and I, and I think that's that's the one of the big pluses that I saw with 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 Guti at, at you know this weekend was that he was prepared to let go some of the guys that he had he had drafted, and some of the guys like like Kaiser that he had traded for, hmm. and despite the fact that you know many people will think well it's obvious that was going to happen or whatever else, it's still quite a big ego thing for for any oh, yeah. of us 
mm. for any of us, whether it's a GM or, or any of us, to hold our hands up and say, actually, I hold my hands up to the whole world, or at least in this case, the whole football world, and say, I made a mistake and I'm going to move on. Um, and I think that's quite a big, quite a big positive sign. And what's the next evolution of Goody to show us that he's the real deal? Is it signing someone mid-season? Well, I th- I think that, um, you know, I, I often use what I call the Andre Ryzen test, um, which is, <laughs> which for, for those of you who don't know, in the 96 season, the Packers had quite a spate of injuries at the receiver position around, around mid-season. Um, Robert Brooks went out for the year and Andre Ryzen, um, Antonio Freeman broke his arm and, and Andre Risen had been, you know, this kind of star all pro, one of the best receivers in the league, but carried a heck of a lot of baggage with him. Mm. Not least, I think his girlfriend had burnt his house down not, not long before then and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. And, you know, he's one of those guys that was still one of the better receivers in the league, but nobody would touch him, you know, and, and Ron Wolf made the decision midway through the 96 season to go and sign him as a, as a, as a free agent. And, the rest is history. You know, if you've watched the Super Bowl, he catches that touchdown pass on the second play of the game. And mm. and for that half a season, he probably pushed the Packers over, over the edge that, that, that year to the Super Bowl. So that's yeah. kind of my Andre Risen test. Would our GM today make that move mid-season? And it's a big question mark. And, and I think if if the answer to that question is is yes, that to me is the, ne- is the next step. That's the Ron Wolf step, if you like. Yeah, and then he is, you know, he ascends to the right side of Lombardi, I guess, and he's sort of <laughs> preordained to be. Yeah, and it's it's and it's always it's difficult to to judge, and it's very early, it's very early days. So I think that in two or three time, two two or three years time, we can look back on his kind of on his first three or four drafts at that point, and just kind of see where we where we are. Because if you look right now at last year's draft, other than Jair Alexander, who you know had a big impact. Hmm. Right now, the rest of it doesn't look so great. Yeah, maybe maybe Pete drafting players for success isn't easy. You know, <laughs> is this something that you know we've overlooked this whole time? <laughs> do you think uh, there's about a million people on Twitter that that can do it? I know, and that's what I'm wondering. I mean, why can't Goody not be good at his job he's done for 20 years as a scout? I just don't understand. It just, and I mean, I've I've seen you say it. I, I believe it's uh, you've definitely. Uh, said it that you know drafting and all of that is not easy and you, you know you can't really grade someone straight away either um although you know we do give it sort of a preliminary grade about how we think that his strategy went about it and the players yeah. that he got and how they perform in college and how they fit in need and you can definitely slap a grade on it but you really don't know how it's going to pan out and just how difficult it is to actually you know do this whole draft and develop but look green shoots he, he moved on from players that he drafted um, he moved on from players that you know were heralded in the media, I guess, and people were like really high on them and they had sentimental value to. And he went and got rid of them. Um, and also he went and signed big names in free agency to make the team better. Um, so yeah, I think it's all positive for now, and the intentions are good as to you know the results that's going to come from it. It's anybody's guess. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think you know now's the time to say we've got our fifty three men that are going to lead us hopefully to the promised land starting on Thursday. You know, we're we're starting like everybody else at O and O and we, and we go from here. And yeah, and I know this isn't a, this isn't a game preview (laughs) um, pod, 
But I think the, the thing that we have to remember is that's a very tough game on Thursday. It's a tough game under under any circumstances, but I think it's an extra tough game with the Bears, you know, clearly ascendant or, or at least in a better position than they've been for a number of years. The Packers have, have got um, a whole bunch of new players, on, particularly on defense, a whole new coaching staff and whatever else. So it's not going to be an easy game and let's not get discouraged if it doesn't go the way that we want it to. Yeah, I just simply just don't want us to get absolutely waxed that's what i just hope is that you know we run the game close but the bears have been struggling we've seen videos of mitch trubisky trying to throw left and across his body and it hasn't really worked so you know silver lining um if we don't get on to do a podcast peter which i fully intend to do and hopefully you know the two of us will be chin wagging and doing a quick preview pod uh there's a way that that doesn't happen and i don't know whether i should put this detail out there and it's going to be a shock for you because i didn't even discuss it on pre-production because mostly because i forgot but now i'm going to say it live on the pod live on air you know we haven't the one reason why that might not happen peter and i'm sorry i'll have to just punt you out of the podcast studio for a week because we could potentially have a chicago bears fan and her name is Kay Adams, and she's the host of NFL Good Morning Football. Um, so she could be coming on the podcast. Um, I've chatted with her. She's interested in doing it. But like anything else, like Aaron Jones' interview, that was coming for at least seven months. <laughs> and I still haven't managed to get Aaron Jones on. Um, so I'll, Peter, happily ste- I'll happily step aside for Kay. Grant. And, um, yeah. I let her know that was the one concern she did have she was like is Peter Jones okay with this um, so I said look I'll spring it on him live on air so that he has to be polite and then curse me out of it after so I thought uh... as, long as, you, as long as you're still paying me the same salary Steve it's fine yep free 99 um, <laughs> oh man but yeah so again not to get people too excited and I don't know maybe people are disappointed now that, that Kay's coming on and that you're being kicked out um, and I want to hear your dulcet tones so Peter. Probably, the, probably the exact opposite probably a oh thank god for that yeah maybe they want k and you to be on and for me to step aside i mean you know these are things i'm not going to put out a twitter poll because i don't want to know the answer basically uh that's what i know don't ask questions that you don't want to know the answer to um so anyway that that was a great pot uh cardiff lads get your arses in gear basically i've said it nicely before but i'm dead serious uh come out to that meetup uh you know you don't use it you lose it um and from myself i guess you know we'll be on before anyway to talk about the game but from myself at steady nfl from my provisional preview co-host <laughs> at it hedgehog yeah, this is a terrible live on air um and uh yeah so i guess we'll speak to this just before the game <laughs> 